0: Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. A very good Saturday morning to you. It is the Saturday morning, just after 8 o'clock here on 1150 KKNW, the flagship station of Drive Time Radio with yours truly, New York Vinny. How you doing out there? Hope everything is. Uh, is going good for you this Saturday morning. You're going to get out of the house, enjoy some of the nice weather that we've been having. Maybe uh, this morning, head on over to Cars and Coffee in Shoreline. I'm sure they would love to see you over there. If uh, Whether you have a car that you uh, like to cruise around in, or you just show up with your car and look at some of the other cars. Uh, it's a great uh, bunch of people there. Uh, tell them I sent you, and you'll get a special discount on admission. It's free to go in anyway, so, I mean, you know, but uh, this is the show that's known for giving away stuff that you can get for free anyway. (laughs) All right, it's uh, been a crazy week in uh, the automotive world as uh, many things have uh, popped up to our attention. Uh, The price of gasoline keeps going through the roof. I mean, it goes up 20 cents between the time you stick the nozzle in. And the time you finish filling up, gas goes up 20 cents a gallon. And, I, listen, if, if you're not mad at the oil companies after this, uh, I hate to say this, but, uh, I mean, it just the shift in us. And you can blame it on whoever you want to blame it on, but I believe that with the pandemic and everything that's gone on, that we'd be seeing what we'd be seeing no matter who was president. Um. Unless you subscribe to the theory that this is a conspiracy and, you know, it's to, uh, uh, you know, put Trump back in office. I I don't know. I don't delve that far into conspiracy theories. I'm still trying to figure out the Kennedy assassination. But I do know that uh, something's not right when uh, oil companies, their profits can be so much and the average person can be hurt so badly. And the it, it just doesn't stop. I, I don't know what the president can do. I don't know what you can do. But I do know that if you want to buy a, uh, a gas-guzzling car, there are plenty of them for sale now. All those people went out and bought those uh, big Tahos and, and uh, extremely big people movers, you know, with 10 seats in it and everything. They get about nine miles to the gallon. Whoa, they are not happy uh, right now because it's, uh, I mean, I, you know, the second biggest thing on Facebook this week, I believe, besides the um, uh, the um eclipse, the lunar uh, uh, eclipse that happened, pictures of that, was uh people showing how it cost them 150 bucks to fill up their tanks. And if you have a car that uses premium, uh, it's even worse. I mean, or diesel. If you're driving a diesel car, maroon six fifty a gallon. I've seen it in some places. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, I think we're at a point where people are going to start to leave their cars and take public transportation. And I'm driving less. I know you're driving less. And something along the way has to shake loose because it, it can't continue like this. The economy is, uh, is not going to take it, uh, you know, people obviously need their cars to go to work, to go here, they're going to go there. But, uh, you, I think you're going to start to see things like carpooling and, and, and stuff like that come back in, into style. Uh, or taking transit to go downtown because, uh, if, you know, a trip downtown and back, uh, you know, now costs you 10 bucks, 15 bucks in your car for, you know, two gallons worth of gas. And I think, I don't know what the breaking point is, but I think we're getting close to it. I think we're getting very close to the point where we, um, you know, we really start to look at. At this and start to make a movement towards smaller cars just when just when the uh, the American manufacturers decided well you know we don't want to build small cars anymore you know America's uh hungry for pickup trucks and big trucks and you know so that's what we're building now you know all of a sudden those uh those smaller pickup trucks and smaller cars uh, you watch are going to be in high demand. I mean, I got a, a Toyota Celica, 2000 Toyota Celica. I mean, I think it's like 28 miles to the gallon. Even better on the highway. I, I mean, that's a dream car. You know, you, you it, it, it just, it runs good and it, it fulfills the need of sportiness and the ability to not use a ton of gas and make it a little bit easier on my wallet. But now last week i drove the the big lexus and man that thing you know got eight nine miles to the gallon if you're towing something it's even worse so i don't know how all these people are going to go on all these trips this year uh and you know take their motorhomes and everything because those those things don't get a lot of uh uh you know you know good gas mileage so i i i would think that You know, you're going to have a conundrum. Last year you went out, you bought this motorhome, so you could be alone and go somewhere far away from people. Now you might not be able to afford the gas to get far away from people. Now, the good thing is, uh, remember how everybody was screaming about gas shortages? Gas shortages are where you couldn't get gas to the gas stations. There were not enough drivers, wasn't enough this, wasn't enough that. You don't see that, do you? Funny how at five fifty a gallon or six dollars a gallon they can get to get all the gas you want. Funny how that all works, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, all right. What else do we have? Uh, oh, we got a couple of really good guests coming up this morning as well. Kirby Arnold is going to join us from Indianapolis. Things are getting um, hot there <clears throat> as the Indianapolis Five Hundred is uh, getting ready to get run um next next week yeah next week and uh it's uh it's an interesting time here because there have been some changes, some rule changes and this and that so it's uh we'll talk to Kirby about what's going on at Indianapolis and uh Joni Purcell is going to join us remember last year we were talking to Jeff Ehud Uh, who was driving around the country, uh, putting up miles, taking pledges for uh, Drive Toward a Cure, which is a uh, charity that helps fund Parkinson's disease research. And uh, this year, uh, Joni Purcell is uh, fulfilling that same function. She's out on the road for Drive Toward a Cure. And what's interesting is uh, she is doing it on a Harley-Davidson. So it'll be fun to talk to her. She's a, I don't know if you want to call Idaho local, but she's from the Northwest. And so we'll spend a couple of minutes talking to her about uh, being out on the road. We'll give you a place where you can uh, get more information about her and everything like that. So we'll get you, uh, you know, we'll get you all caught up with that. Uh One of the a couple of big things uh, that happened this week, Uh number one, You have this uh, Mercedes Benz 300 SLR. You hear this story? Mercedes Benz. Mercedes took one of these super rare. There's only two of them in the world. They were prototypes, and sold one so that they could create um, a a fund to do charitable work, which I'm all for. And uh, they sold this uh, Mercedes-Benz, the 300 SLR, uh, for a record. It's a 300 SLR Uhrenhaut Coupe. A private collector bought it. Mercedes will use the money for a global charitable fund. $143 million. Boy, you you talk about sticker shock when you go into the showroom. This guy paid $143 million for a Mercedes-Benz. Um these coupes were built by Rudolf Uhrenhaut. Uh, They have sat in the classic collection at the Mercedes-Benz Museum for over half a century. And it um, Sotheby's did the auctioning, and it's just a spectacularly beautiful car of uh, you can see a picture of it uh, there. That's, that's the uh, front of it, and it's uh, it's just a spectacular vehicle. I don't know where they're going to display it, if they have a private collection. Uh, nobody knows who bought it, except that he's a well-known figure from Britain's automotive industry and a long-standing collector of specialist cars, according uh, to Mercedes. <clears throat> the uh, previous record was $70 million. Uh, that was paid in 2018 by the guy who owns WeatherTech. You know, the floor mats that uh, you see advertised on TV, the floor mats and the uh, cup holder, uh, sell thing. Uh, David McNeil. $70 million for a 63 Ferrari 250. Gran Turissimo Olomogato. Gran Turissimo Olomogato. That's a GTO. That's right. Ferrari actually made GTOs uh, before Pontiac did. And uh, so a new uh, a new record, and that is uh, an incredible uh, uh, price uh, for an incredible great reason. And it's a it's a wonderful looking car. I wish uh, I wish the owner a lot of success. Don't forget to uh, make sure that you have that thing, the insurance on that thing, uh, paid. Uh, there is uh, another story that I wanted to. Uh, jump into quickly here because it is, um, well, I think it's it's something that we all need to pay attention to. Traffic fatalities. In a report by the NHTSA this week, traffic fatalities have gone up this past year The early estimate says that 42,915 people died in motor vehicle crashes last year, up 10.5% from 2020. Highest number since 2005. It is, uh, it's amazing to me. I mean, you think with all the safety stuff we're doing in cars, with everything that we are doing to make the roads safer, the cars safer that this number would be going down. But unfortunately, uh, it's um, it's going the other way. And I don't know exactly what is going to happen if the um, infrastructure bill is going to do anything. I don't know that it's the infrastructure so much as it is people that you see just just driving absolutely stupidly on the road. I mean, you can put all the, uh, fix all the bridges and all the highways and all the dead man's curbs that you want. But if you don't fix, if you don't do something about people that drive like a fool or they're on their telephones or that don't know how to drive, you need to, uh, you really need to, um, you know, to look at, uh, at, at what you're doing and figure out a way to uh, to fix it because the slaughter on the roads is ridiculous. We drive cars that are um, that that are safer than ever, yet we're killing more people <clears throat> than ever in cars. All right, we get a chance now to uh, switch gears. Uh, we go from death and destruction to Indianapolis, where we pray that there'll be no death and destruction uh, for the Indy Five Hundred that's coming up. Our good friend Kirby Arnold is going to join us here as we uh, bring him in on um, Zoom. Kirby, good morning. How are you?
1: Looks like he's still joining into the meeting. We can just get a couple more seconds.
0: Okay, there he is. Now we got him. Hi, Kirby. Hey there. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? You look like you're in a recording studio.
2: You know, they got these really cool little booths in the back of the media center here, and just for stuff like that, you know, podcasts and uh
0: or if you just need a, a quiet
2: place to go throw a tantrum
0: <laughs> you know a little quiet room I, i'm sure that sometimes some of the owners and some of the drivers could use do they have any of those downstairs in the pit I, area yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> How are you, use
2: i'm good yeah good, real good, good.
0: yeah good you look Disney. good you're in you're in disneyland huh
2: that's what i call it yeah my happiest place on earth. <laughs> yeah.
0: it, it's it's so much fun. There's one race that anybody—I mean, people pay attention to NASCAR. People, but even the non-racing fans get drawn into uh, Indianapolis because it's such a uh, a tradition. It's such an American thing, I think. Still, and and it's funny because I mean, obviously, auto racing is all around the world, and there's always different circuits. But there's something about the Indianapolis 500 that draws. Even the, it's like the Kentucky Derby. You may not go to a horse race all year, but you pay attention right. to the Kentucky Derby.
2: Yeah. You're, you're aware of it. Like you say, it's an iconic event. It's the one thing that when you mention it, most people know what it is basically. Uh So yeah. And, okay, my, and you, you can feel the importance of it when you're around here too.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of. A lot of money, a lot of, uh, you know, in the old days, I guess it used to be they would show, you know, you'd show up with your car and get in there somehow and get it safety checked. Um, and, you know, there was some great underdog stories written. Um, that's not the case anymore, is it?
2: Not quite. I mean, it's a very, it's a spec series. So all the cars are the same. The engines are pretty well the same. There's two engine manufacturers, Honda and Chevrolet. Uh so it's it's very regulated as a spec series, and 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 I was talking to one of the team managers the other day. He basically said, you know, it's kind of to protect us from ourselves because years ago you could see where this was was headed with with the money and the expenses, and, and the top teams were doing so much development, and 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 yeah, the money was just going out of this world. Not like it's inexpensive. You still got it's still millions and millions and millions of dollars to to field a team, but uh, um, the playing field is so much more level now. Uh, there are those underdog stories. One of them is uh, Stefan Wilson this year, whose, whose deal just came together a couple of weeks ago. And in fact, uh, when I was here Monday morning, they were piecing that car together because it was a car that had run on Saturday here in the road race uh, with the AJ Foyt team. And so, Uh, the team that that steph is is driving for you know acquired that car they did a quick turnaround and when you're changing it from road course to oval configuration it's it's quite a big change a lot of things a lot of parts and pieces change on that car um and um so you know they were thrashing to get it ready in order to get him on track when practice started on tuesday
0: now uh, i was just reading this morning that um Bump Day, I like the, the, the words Bump Day has virtually disappeared from uh, Indianapolis this year because they they have not a shortage of cars, but uh, f- for the first time in a long time, you know more than I do. Yeah, uh, the,
2: there have been some years not that not that uh, far in the distant past that they have only had 33 cars. This year, they, they kind of had to scrape that last car, that last team together to get the 33rd entry so you know it's a lot of what is happening in in the world and and, and even in auto racing as supply issues there's personnel issues and and a lot of these teams can only be spread so far so uh, yeah there's no bumping which is which is unfortunate because the past few years when they have had bumping it's been some just tremendous drama going right up to the 11th hour the you know the the 59th minute of the 11th hour of qualifying to see who was going to get in and who wasn't. Because remember a few years ago, when Fernando Alonso did not make the race, so that's right. the kind of drama that 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 is India is about. Uh, not going to happen this year. Although I talked to a lot of the the drivers and people with some of the teams this past week, and qualifying is still really important because you still want to start fairly far up in, in the race. If you feel like you've got a chance to win the race.
0: Right. Right. You want to get into that, that first row of, uh, or second row of cars, if you, if you possibly can. Right? Exactly.
2: Like, uh, Sage Karam's a young driver. The last three years, he started 31st. So he started on the inside of the 11th row, 11th and last row last year. He, he drove all the way up to seventh. And I was talking to him about it because, because the old a lot of people are saying you can win this race from anywhere. And he was saying, well, not really. In his case, he said everything in the race of last year went perfect for him. And seventh was the best that they could do. They just couldn't have done any better than that. So starting, you know, even 25th or so would be better. Just that, just that, uh, uh just a, a little bit few of cars, each. just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Just, uh, not as many cars to have to, to leapfrog to get back up to the front
0: talking to my good friend Kirby Arnold, who is at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, bearing witness to everything that's going on leading up to the Indianapolis 500. All right. Who's the, um, who's the long shot Kirby? Who are the guys, uh, a few teams that, uh, nobody knows about that we should run out to draft kings and bet on.
2: Oh, golly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't go anything. And I, on anything that I say, yeah, but,
2: me, you know, I, I, I mean,
0: uh, I tell
2: you, you, you want some long shots who have been running well. Um, I think Sage Karam is one it's, it's drier and Reinbold raising. They, they only enter the Indy 500 every year. Sage Karam and Santino Ferrucci are their two drivers. They've both been pretty darn fast this week. So if there is a, a real underdog that could run up front, uh, those guys could do it. I mean, like I said, Sage went from 31st to seventh last year in the race. So if they can qualify, they're up in the field they, they might have a chance to be there but still it's so hard to beat the big teams i mean last year castroneva's won it and he wasn't on everybody's radar last year because he he's driving for the, the meyer shank racing team which is not the pinskis it's not the ganassis it's not the andrettis but those guys have gotten their act together and they're really strong so you can but as of last year nobody was considering them in that realm with those other big giant teams. But when you got Elio Castroneves driving, uh, there's a world of talent and a world of experience around here and that's what paid off to help him uh, win that race last year. So uh, having said that, I'd still think the big teams are probably the ones to keep an eye on. My, my sleeper, I wouldn't say it's a sleeper pick, but my pick this year is Will Power of Team Penske. Penske had a rough year last year at Indianapolis and uh, they've gotten their stuff together they've been kind of quiet this whole week in practice really haven't been up on the leaderboard they've been fast but but the thing i've noticed about will power he's a pretty emotional guy and uh, he's the points leader for one thing he hasn't won a race but he's finished in the top five in all five races so far he's got a quiet confidence about him this year that that i think you know may pay off And i talked to rick Mears the other day about him and he thinks yeah the guy, you know, he's a veteran at this thing, but he's still got a lot to win.
0: You had a pretty long conversation. Matter of fact, I have an article <clears throat> that you put up on Facebook this morning with um, uh, the guy who runs the Ganassi team, Chip Ganassi. Right.
2: right. Mike and- Mike Hall is the general manager of that program. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ganassi, of, of course, out of Pittsburgh. I know him a bit. Right. And uh, great. Owner, I mean, if, if you want to drive for somebody, he's probably the guy you want to drive for. If you want to run a team, he's probably the guy you want to run it for. Um, what, what, what did he have to say about the state of things that are going on in in in, in indie racing right now?
2: It's kind of an "it is what it is" type
0: of thing. I mean, we talked
2: about spec racing versus you know the era before when you could almost bring and develop anything you want. And it was, it was kind of a proving ground here. And it was, that was interesting, but like he said, you know, back then guys were running races by two laps and there were uh, maybe 10 or 11 out of 33 cars that were finishing um, the race. Whereas now you got 25 cars on the lead lap and the margin of victory is often less than a second. So uh, the competition level is, is better than it's ever been
0: yeah it's um uh, i mean it really is i mean when you know i mean i remember watching the old days the black and white days the a.j Foyt days when you know mm-hmm. you, you were looking around and it was you know it was it seemed to be a real people were you know were ahead and slipped back and ahead and slipped back now it almost seems like it's one pack that runs it the is whole race. and I, I, sometimes i think i don't know i don't want to call it boring because uh, it's it's certainly not boring when cars are whizzing by at 210, 212 miles an hour. Uh, but there's, I don't know, this, it, it, it is there a thought to changing up the way it is a little bit, or or is this what they're going to do and they're going to stick with it?
2: I think this is what it is. I think they've got a pretty good formula and they're not going to get away from it um, in in the near future. Now in, in two years, they're introducing a new engine that'll be a 2.4 liter twin turbocharged, uh, produce about 900 horsepower. But the thing about this is there'll be a hybrid element to that engine, which adds a hundred horsepower to it. So, um, I still think there will be pack racing. Uh, and when I say pack racing, it's not like three wide, like we see at the Daytona 500 in the stock cars, but, but guys running nose to tail at, around a place here, like Indianapolis, a lot of passing, whereas, you know, before, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, like I said, guys had a a fifteen second lead on each other. Yeah. Let's say so. It is pretty exciting to see these guys come out of turn four all together, you know, nose to tail coming down the straightaway, and they're doing over two hundred and forty miles an hour down the straightaway. Now, uh, it's pretty phenomenal to see. But I I don't see a lot changing. One of the things Mike Hall and I talked about for a story I'm working on here should run this next week is just about the far distant future of IndyCar racing in the Indy 500, we know where the automotive industry is headed toward electrification and everything. Do we see that? uh, Where do we see that going at this level of motorsport? And uh, there's some people who just cannot stand the thought of, of a car silently going by, even if it's going by at 245 miles an hour, because the sound of an IndyCar is what makes IndyCar racing so attractive, but like Mike Hall said, and others I've talked to said, you know, we're, we're in a different era and the sounds have changed through the different eras. We've always had the internal combustion engines, but we've got a new, new generation of people who are going to grow up with a different, uh, attitude toward what, what equates speed. You know, we always equated speed when you come here with, volume the noise right noise noise equals speed but you know people who have a tesla can put you in the front seat and and take off and it's silent and there's speed there because it'll throw you right in the back of the seat so it'll be really interesting to see what happens in 20 30 40 50 years after we're all long gone to see curious to to see what would happen to this sport for sure
0: well, you know, it's interesting when I, when I drove the electric Mustang, let's say, I mean, I got in that car and hit the, hit the accelerator. And I mean, it was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, it, it did, it pin you back in your seat. You were saying, man, I would love to take this out to the drag strip and run against, you know, some kind of big block, uh, you know, 396 or a 427 Chevy and, and see what it would do because it, it felt like it would beat the pants off it. You know right. these, these right. cars have incredible zero to sixty times, uh, zero to one hundred times, uh, but it's the strange phenomenon. Now some cars actually pump sound into the cabin. So yeah, so I, I've heard about
2: that. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if they just <laughs> record these cars down and have some guy sit there. It'll be like the Wizard of Oz, you know. He's got he's the levers for the speed going by. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, the one thing about uh, and I Jr Hildebrand is a is a veteran driver here and I talked to him quite a bit and I talked for this story I talked to him about electrification in in the the series and where it could be going what he would really love to see is a little bit more open rulebook so somebody can develop an electric car come here and compete against the internal combustion engine cars and see how they stand I and mean, that's what Indy was pretty much based on when it started here so
0: uh, uh, don't know that'll ever happen, but it's yeah, a good thought. I, you know, I, I mean I haven't looked. I just this just entered my mind. Has there ever been an electric car back in uh, you know the early days of Indies that ever ran?
2: No, no. Uh kind of the closest thing I can think of was in the, the mm-hmm. mid to late sixties, the turbine cars that Andy Granatelli yeah. and brought here. Um it was a Pratt and Win Pratt and Whitney jet engine, basically. And that's what uh Marnella Jones ran in 1967 here. They called it the Wishmobile because it would go by and it just had that 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 light jet engine sound to it. Yeah. A little high-pitched whine <laughs> of a jet engine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I've actually, of course, I went around here in 67 to, to hear it for myself, but there have been some vintage cars that occasionally will run laps around the place. And a few years ago, I heard that uh, they did have one of those Turbines here, and to hear it, it, it does seem, sound strange, and I could see how jarring it could be to the traditionalists around here. Oh, Eventually, yeah. that that was outlawed because I think those things were just so much more powerful and and uh,
0: well, just had such an advantage. of the, the hydro people when they see you know when they when they when right. the, uh, piston engine starts up. Uh, you know there's still a couple of guys that run a piston engine and they right. start up and everybody's smiling because they hear the uh the piston engine going but yeah nothing the- like nothing like the sound of that that allison
2: engine in an old hydro is there?
0: oh man yeah that that's uh yeah, yeah we got to record that man if that ever disappears we're all going to be in trouble yeah all right well uh, uh well, we let's see uh when is the races next uh s- Sunday the 29th is the race. Sunday we got
2: qualifying going on as we speak. They started about 30 minutes ago. I'm trying to look at my telemetry to see uh uh Renus VK of Ed Carpenter Racing right now has the fastest qualifying speed. Jimmy Johnson is 4th so far so he just ran. And Roman Grosjean, the Formula 1 former Formula 1 driver, ranks 5th so far. So So we got We've got a long day of qualifying if they it'll, can beat, beat the rain.
0: Yeah, it'll be Yeah, that's right. You got rain coming too on top of it. Can we uh, catch up with you next week before the race? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Kirby, it's good to see you, man. It's it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always good to talk to you and see you, Vinny. All right. Talk to you soon, Kirby. Take, Take care. care of yourself. Bye. It's Kirby Arnold out in Indianapolis keeping an eye on things for us as, um, you know, Indianapolis is coming up and it's always good to, you know, always good to check in. It, it really is uh, America's race uh, when you think about it. It really is that, um, you know, the the idea that, uh, like the Kentucky Derby, everybody stops kind of what they're doing and pays attention uh, to the Indianapolis 500. If you, if you don't pay attention to any race, you pay attention to that one. All right, let's switch gears. We go from... Now, uh, cars and racing to uh, cruising on a Harley Davidson. What do you think about that? Well, uh, as we spoke about uh, last year many times to our friend Jeff Ehudin, uh, who uh, did this great drive last year around the country in his Tacoma pickup truck. This year, our friends at Drive Tour de Cure, uh, one of the uh, people that are going on a 34, Well, she's the only one uh, for Drive for a Cure that's going on a 34-day ride uh, to support Parkinson's disease research. And uh, we have her with us right now. Uh, Joni Purcell is out of uh, Idaho, and she is on a beautiful yellow Harley-Davidson, I believe, and cruising around the country. Joni, good morning. How are you?
3: Good morning, Vinny. I'm great.
0: Oh, it's good to hear your voice. How's, how's life on the road these days?
3: Well, right now we are in Brattleboro, Vermont, and we left Albany, New York this morning. The roads were uh, less than desirable, probably the worst roads we've been on the entire trip. Um, with signs, motorcycles be cautious, motorcycles be cautious, because they yeah. really had the roads torn up. But it's it's still very beautiful. And The ride's been amazing, really fun,
0: good, good, good. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the roads, you know, especially this time of year, as you drive around the country, everybody's trying to get their construction work in and everything after winter, and it's it gets a little nuts. How, how are you? Um, uh, now, did you you started in Idaho? You've gone across country so far, right?
3: Right, so we started May 9th in Boise, Idaho. Um, I I do have a buddy that I've known since 2002, and I was going to be coming by myself. He overheard me and said, well, uh, Johnny, I'll ride with you. And I was shocked, amazed, and excited about that. So he's also with me on this ride, and we left Boise in snow and cold and um, went to Salt Lake City the first night in Utah. And yeah. since then, we've actually had maybe um, the worst we've had to deal with is the wind. The weather has been pretty, pretty nice. We haven't had any more rain, no more snow. So we're we're kind of happy about that.
0: Great, great. And how do, uh, do people um, kind of recognize you on the road and see what you're doing and, and honk at you and stuff like that?
3: You know, I think why they honk is it's like it's a girl on a big bike. And uh, (laughs) we went to New York and Buffalo, and people literally were pulling up beside me and just cranking their head because we were the only motorcycles on the road, thinking probably we were a bit crazy, which we probably were. But um, it's kind of fun because of people who want to have a conversation and People have actually downloaded the QR code to make donations. We've met friends that we wouldn't have met had we not been doing it this way. I'm sorry. There's an ambulance coming. Oh,
0: that's okay. We we like the street sound. You know, it's it's, it's, it's good for the realism. Um, What made you get involved with uh, Drive Toward a Cure, Joni?
3: Hold on just a second. I'm so sorry.
0: Okay, no, it's okay.
3: Now I can hear you
0: okay uh what made you get involved with drive Tour a good? well
3: i'm a financial advisor blake simmons who's one of the owners for simmons um fine jewelry he and his dad jay have been clients a long time i told him about my ride he asked is your ride sponsored and i said no did you want to sponsor it and he said i have some really great ideas let me get a hold of my friend deb Pollock, who is the founder for Drive Toward a Cure, she called, asked, asked me about um, sponsoring the ride, meaning sponsoring Parkinson's, and right. I'm really happy that we're doing this. Uh, Blake's grandfather passed away from complications. Deb's mom passed away from complications. One of my best of friends has been diagnosed in 2018. And if we could find a cure, that, that would be wonderful. It doesn't kill people. Complications from it is yes. what they end up dying from. And I think it's just one more thing that we could support and help a lot of people thrive and teach well, them you know, patient care, how to take care of themselves, and, and come up with a cure. Because I believe we have a lot of smart people doing research that can come up with that cure.
0: Yeah, we're really, uh, it's, it's such a great thing that uh, that uh, Drive Toward a Cure does. Uh, I, You know, I believe in them. I have, uh, you know, a couple of close friends that have Parkinson's. Uh, an uncle had it and, and died from complications from it. And uh, it's just such a wonderful thing uh, that uh, you're doing and that, that people can do. Now, people can get involved. Uh, with you uh, by going to your page on the uh, Drive Toward a Cure website, which is drivetourtocure.org slash fundraising slash Joni J O N I, and uh, they can keep track of your trip, and they can also uh, contribute, uh, you know, by the mile for what you're doing. You're going to have some miles. You got nine? What is it? Nine thousand? Eight thousand miles that you're planning to uh, to travel on this trip
3: yes uh we are at 33 right now i believe it's possible we'll be doing over eight so the bikes are are definitely getting a run but it's it's so much fun and i i'm really glad that the whole thing came together the way that it did sometimes the, stars the, bike, align. the bike it's awesome I'll probably yeah. just need new tires when I'm done, but um, it's it's purring like a kitty.
1: Good,
0: good, and and uh, I'm sure that uh, now you, uh, you're going to go to Canada as well and stop at a couple of provinces. That ought to be uh, interesting to go up there and uh, and and you know uh, hang out with some of our Canadian brethren.
3: Yes, we're going to go to Nova Scotia after Maine, and then we'll head uh, towards. Toronto, and then we want to drop down back into the U.S. at Sault Ste. Marie, and go to Milwaukee and see the factory and meet some more of our peeps.
0: Neat, neat,
3: How, um, do you get tired
0: r- riding all day? I mean, you know, you've ridden a lot, so you know how to do it, but uh, is it a tiring thing to ride that long every day, or, or do you get, uh... You know, is it uh, is it pleasurable? Do you get a lot of is is it a lot of fun doing it?
3: Mostly, it's fun. Uh, the most I've traveled in a day is six hundred and fifty miles. Wind is absolutely the most exhausting because you don't know how to predict if there's going to be a crosswind. Wow. I I told everybody I lost during the windstorm that we were in Colorado. My bag lid came up, and I lost my glasses so they're roadkill somewhere i don't know where but
1: the wind uh. is
3: it's a tough one but um it's pleasure it's therapy it's the best therapist i've ever had i've made lots of decisions on that bike that were life-changing and this ride is life-changing i mean i wouldn't be talking to you Vinny. i, I wouldn't know. Be checked I'm, out I'm your cares. your I'm article and done. learned about you <laughs> Well, I'm very
0: excited that you're doing this. We will uh, we'll check in with you from time to time, and see that's how you're great. progressing. Uh, as I always tell my motorcycle friends uh, out there, be safe uh, out there. There's uh, a lot of crazy people, and a lot of crazy people that have cell phones. So uh,
3: uh, that's true.
0: Yeah, be careful, and uh, we will uh, check in with you again sometime in the near future.
3: Thank you so much, Vinny. You have a great day.
0: Joni, it's nice to meet you. Thank you for jumping on the show with us. And once again, if you want to get involved uh, with contributing a little bit of money toward uh, uh, Drive Toward a Cure, you, you can uh, go to Joni's fundraising page, which is at www.drivetowardacure.org slash fundraising slash Joni. That's Joni's picture you can see right there on uh, the um on the screen. And uh we'll also put a link up on our Facebook page uh so that you can uh click on it and, and follow her progress along if you so desire. All right, it is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. Uh we are continuing on through a Saturday morning here as we usually do. Let's do our uh our standard musical soiree, uh, our Saturday morning cartoon, uh brought to you because we uh we love cars and music. They go together so well. So, uh, Mr. DJ, why don't you spin that tune? There you go. Out of Ohio in the 70s, they had a string of big hits. And I believe the first sniff and scratch, or scratch and sniff, I should say, album cover. The band is the Raspberries. Uh, the song "Driving Around," Eric Carmen, Wally Bryson, uh, Jim Bafonte, uh Dave Smalley, uh, the personnel on that record, and again Eric Carmen, probably the uh, the biggest uh, name to come out of that group, uh, with such great um, uh, songs as "Go All the Way," uh, and of course Eric Carmen we're never going to fall in love again. Great uh, band and great uh, great song there on our Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, Brooke, you know, I brought to you in our hopes that you'll mix up some cars and music and take your mind off the world by listening to some music. You'll be amazed at how well it works. All right, let's let's uh, let's check in with our good friend Nathan, the producer, who is back from his foray. Nathan, good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning, Vinny. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Ah, you picked up a little bit of a Boston accent. Uh, I, I spent too much
1: time, time like in the Bob pack.
0: <laughs> you sound wicked bad, Powy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not enough time spent, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess so, man. Um, how, so your trip was good, and now you're back here, back to the mundane uh, existence of uh, of producing uh, drive time radio.
1: Back into the chilly Seattle Pacific Northwest. Great to yeah, be back. Well,
0: I was, I was, uh, but you had a good
1: trip. You like, but what do you think of Fenway Park? Oh man, it is just. Good old, old old-school baseball stadium vibe. I mean, you walk in, it's a totally different atmosphere from T-Mobile Park for those of our listeners in the Seattle area. You know, it's basically only two floors. It's really small park in comparison to your more modern baseball stadium.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, You know, it looks so big on television, but when you get it, you know, when you walk through the doors, I mean, the concession. If there's a line at the concession stand, you can't walk around them.
1: Oh no, <laughs> it's, it's all on like, one concourse level.
0: Yeah, it's all in one place. And uh, you know, and <clears throat> what I always found too is the seats are. I mean, they're built for 1918 bucks.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I was sitting in the grandstand section behind all the support beams, and my leg room was minus three inches. Yeah, yeah, I, I was in crammed into that little seat.
0: Yeah, you must have not fared well because I, you know, it's, um. I mean, I actually went, I got out of the press box when I was there and I, I don't know, last time I was there, and I went out and I sat in the, uh, sat in a, um, a, a kind of a newer section where there were, you know, a little bit wider seats. But boy, I, you know, I went sat once right behind home plate. And I mean, that was, I mean, you know, I need a little Vaseline on both sides of my butt to get into that seat.
1: Well, I'll tell you, my immediate thought when I got into Fenway Park was looking at that green monster. I mean, how can you not look at it? It's basically what it's most known for. But it, no picture can do the green monster justice, like yeah. on TV or professional photography. You walk into that stadium, and it's just ginormous in front of you, and you really give a lot of respect to the players that are able to hit a home run over that wall.
0: Yeah, it's um, uh, it, well, it's it's like the uh, ivy at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you go and you look at the when you see it on TV, it doesn't do it justice. Uh, but when you see it in full dimension and you see the ivy all over the place, you, you know, it's really kind of uh, 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 spectacular. It's one of those things that you're right. Uh, the, the the TV, uh, you know, if you're not standing in the ballpark and looking at the at the the grandeur of it. You're not really seeing it.
1: And then you go into the center field bleachers and just stand up right next to it. I mean, you're all that way up and you're still not even halfway up the wall. And you're looking at the players from right field. They just look like teeny tiny little ants in comparison to the height of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, really. It is a uh, it, it's definitely a, um, a a treat to go. There. I'm glad you had a good time. Glad you like Boston. Uh, it's no Seattle, but, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I like it. I think it's a really cool little town and, um, you know, uh, it's got its problems like everywhere else, but mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, I think it's a great little place to visit. We used to go up there a lot. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, younger, we used to go up there because we used to go to New England all the time. And I always loved it. There was always, we always ran into really Cool women in Boston. I don't, you know, it was just always a lot of fun. They always, uh, you know, were were fun. It took us around the town, and showed us the bars and everything like that. It was uh very friendly. Guys always wanted to fight, but the women were very friendly. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, what do you say we uh, get moving on since we're short on time here? Do a quick question and road test. Yes,
0: do you have a question for me?
1: If it'll play. There we go. Yo, Vinny, <laughs> what are you driving this week?
0: I thought you'd never a rest.
1: That was a little bit cold. I oh. uh, had to shake off some rust.
0: Yeah, we haven't used it in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm driving the, uh, you'll love this, I'm driving a Mazda. I am in the Mazda 5, uh, the CX-5, uh, which um, for my money, if you're shopping for that midsize SUV, uh, small SUV, there you see it. Uh, If you're not shopping this car, you're cheating yourself. Uh, Many publications, uh, many uh, different uh, car reviews think that this is the best uh, small SUV out there. And I uh, am totally in agreement with them. Uh, While it may be a tad underpowered in places, it makes up for it in uh, driving dynamics. Uh, The way you uh, get into this thing and it feels the road for you, uh, you can put it on kind of a a, a luxury setting and it gives you a little less road feel, a little more luxury feel. Or if you're feeling very sporty, you can jump in this thing and put it in sport and probably come as close to a a high dollar uh, uh, Porsche uh, handling type vehicle uh, that that you can find. Plus, on top of that, it's a IIHS 2021 top safety pick. There's a lot of great safety equipment in this thing. But for me, the interior of this vehicle is what makes it extremely special. It is a vehicle that um, really pleases you um, when you get in. The materials are far, are nice. Uh, Mazda has upped their game inside of their vehicles they have um gone with higher grade interior materials more space uh more of uh uh, an intuitive uh infotainment system and when you put all of that together uh, you really get a great package with this car has a great turbo uh this particular one That uh, cranks out 200 uh, horsepower and change when you're using it in uh, with premium fuel, but you can use regular fuel, uh, take a little less horsepower and, uh, you know, drive it around the city. And I really do think that um, this, uh, you know, this Mazda, uh, it's not the most spacious vehicle inside for cargo, but it's close to the top. They did a redesign on this thing for this year, and have put some lines into it and reconfigured the front end a little bit uh, so that it's aerodynamically better. And it also uh, is um, very pleasing to the eye. Electric tailgate in the back that you can uh, stick your foot under, it and it opens up. So there's lots of great things about this Mazda. But again, the biggest thing about this car is that it is fun to drive. They have put uh, the sports car DNA uh, that Mazda is known for into this vehicle uh, that um, you can go and drive it and and get your almost your choice of uh, what you want in this uh, in this car. For a particular time that you want to drive it there's certainly some uh you know upgrades that are going to come along as far as electric i don't know if they will come uh to the cx5 right away but there's a talk among many people of uh you know uh, uh electrification and uh hybrid hybridization of uh this vehicle and i will be excited to see that happen uh when and when it does but this week that's what I'm driving this week. And, and, and again, uh, this Mazda uh, CX-5, uh, I'm excited to take it up to uh, our test track today and uh, run it through its paces to see what it can really do. But, uh, you, you know, it's funny. I drove the, uh, the 50 a couple of weeks ago, and I love that. And I love this one. All right. So that's our Yoveni, what are you driving this week? And we get a chance to uh, do that every week. What we will do is is, uh, we were going to do a road test this week, but we're a little short on time because we had guests. So we'll hold a road test off for next week. And also want to remind you that you can go to our Facebook page at any time and uh, uh, check out uh, our our fond farewells. And you can check out uh, stuff that we do during the week. We always put pictures of, what I'm driving this week up there, little things and stories that I find throughout the week. So uh, please visit our Facebook page. Let us know you're out there. And uh, let us know if there's a particular car that you want us to uh, road test for you. We'll do our best to try to uh, do that for you as well. All right, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Drive Time Radio. Thank you so much to George Jackson who helps this show uh, along to Keith Slater, who helps this uh, show along, and especially to uh, everybody, my sister who helps this show along uh, and uh, does a a, a great job of, you know, making sure that you get drive time every week. So thank you to them. Thank you to you for listening, to Nathan, for making the show uh, move along as it does. And we will see you next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Have a good week.